Welcome to another Booch News podcast with Ian Griffin. I'm on the phone today with Simon from Fernie Alpine Springs, who is based in um, the eastern part of British Columbia, in fact, uh, in a beautiful mountain town called Fernie. And uh, it's great to be able to talk to you today, Simon. Thank you, Jan. Thank you very much for uh, welcoming me on um, your um, your platform, actually. Yeah, well, I was very interested. You've got a beautiful setting there. I, I haven't heard of Fernie, but it looks like it's known for, uh, for the mountains and for skiing, I presume. And um, it's a very small town by the looks of it. I think Wikipedia says it's only about 7,000 people. Um, what, in, what inspired you to start a business in Fernie? Was that your hometown or did you move there? So I moved there. Um, I moved quite a lot for my career as uh, working for corporates before. And that's how I landed in Fernie with um, my science degree in water treatment. Um, so I'm a scientist in, in water treatment, and I have Masters of Science in uh, Environment and Management, and I was here to uh, remove selenium from water for a mine, a coal mine. And then one year after I, I arrived to Fernie, I just realized how beautiful and pristine is this place. So Fernie is not my hometown, but it's definitely somewhere I'm going to live for many, many years. And, and that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I, it looks like it's a place that people would like to stay in uh, who, can, who can make a living there. And what's your background with kombucha then? Why, what led you to start a kombucha company there from being a scientist in, in the water treatment? Right. So um, already since my teenage, I was, uh, I was introducing to brew home beer. And uh, many years after... Uh, which is about the year 2000-ish. No, not even before that even. So I started, I started brewing hard apple cider. And uh, I was very passionate about hard apple cider. Um, I, it's hard to explain why. It's maybe from my ancestors. You know, my family arrived in Canada back in 1655, but they are from Normandy, which is recognized for their uh, Calvados and uh, hard apple cider. And I, I, when I smell a crushed apple, I just go crazy and, and I feel like I have to finish the process, make the juice, fermenting it. And so this fermentation process is, is just a, a hobby for me. It's, it's more than a hobby. It's really a passion. And, um, and so I did brew in, uh, so for many years. And my wife is Korean, and so uh, she was introduced to kombucha when she was a kid, and her grandma was brewing kombucha uh, on the countertop, and, and she was uh, feeding the kids with that. And so this came back uh, to me, so my wife started brewing kombucha um, here in Fernie because we were getting a little bit more stable as we, we traveled quite a lot before that, too. Um, so what happened is after a few months she was brewing, I decided to uh, adapt uh, her brew with my beer equipment and hard apple equipment and all the as well. And um, I managed to uh, find a way to brew kombucha to dryness without creating vinegar. 
And so people around me and neighborhood just suggest, um, so we go a little bit further than the neighborhood and we should try at the farmer's market. And so back into 2017, we just put a stand there and I created a, um, a, a keezer, which is a chest, chest freezer with taps on it. And so I converted a, uh, a chest freezer into a tap station. So with, with six flavors, I was carrying that around in my trailer. And uh, I, I got right, right away, I got great success. And, um, and so it's all, all how it started. So start with passion of brewing, trying kombucha, making good one. And, and then um, clients were, uh, were really, uh, really enthusiastic about that, that type of kombucha I was brewing. Yeah, well, I, I totally agree. The, uh, the, the transition from the taste of a hard cider, uh, I lived in the West Country in Britain uh, back in the late 70s before I came to the U.S., and it's known there for a cider called Scrumpy, which is a very hard, unfiltered cider. And I always thought when I first tasted kombucha, it reminded me of a, of a cider that's sort of acidic, slightly, you know, fermented smell. Uh, and taste totally, um, and 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 so the farmers market was where you really connected with the local uh, population. Your marketing, I think, uh, you said you you still have a farmers market store. So yes, uh, even pa- during pandemic, we had limited access to uh, farmers market, but it was still open with a lot of regulations. Um, and so I still do some, but much less than. Uh, since I have a bottle line. Um, so my business model was um, solely tap stations, so kombucha on draft, and I was uh, renting some station across um, the east and west Kootenays, across the Canadian Rockies. Um, and so I had about 12 tap stations around, and uh, during summertime's farmer's market, plus the clients and the rest of the year, was uh, connecting with clients to replace my my cakes, and um, in, in connecting to uh, the farmers market is in uh, Fernie as well. Fernie is a touristic town, and it attracts people from uh, all over the country, some some abroad as well, and um, but. A, a lot of clients are from Calgary, which is a uh, one of the biggest city close by. It's located in Alberta, a bit up north from Fernie, so it's a three hours drive. And um, and so these clients uh, come in the weekend to fill their growlers and go back home. But then they asked me if it was possible to install something in Calgary, and uh, technicality is is too much with tap station. So this is where we had to created a bottle line so we can reach our clients when when they are close by you know uh, so they can get our kombucha all year round and all week long um, by going to their closest grocery store and so this is how we were motivated by the uh, the demand to create a bottle line and, and go around and expand this way yeah and I see you also of course on your website allow people to order from the web and I presume you ship in the boxes Absolutely. 12 bottles. Um, so it's, it, that was, you touched on something that 
curious about because population of 7,000, I, I, I did an interview for the Symbiosis magazine with Jesse from Ensign Beverage in, in, uh, in uh, Nebraska. She's in a small town, but it's, it's um, four or five times the size of yours. It's 25,000 people, which she says is an ideal size. So I was curious as to how 7,000 could support a business. But what you're saying is with tourism, you actually, uh, how broadly, how far afield do you ship your kombucha? Is it across Canada or is it mostly to Alberta, Calgary or further afield to ship? Correct. So it's mainly for uh, BC and Alberta. Uh, some private uh, client, not talking about distribution and, and the grocery store, but uh, some client, they, they just uh, order a, a box with uh, eight cases through Manitoba. But mainly I go up to Edmonton, which is a bit, uh, it's about 600 kilometers um, up north. It's the capital of Manitoba and uh, Calgary. So this is how I can reach bigger population, but you're absolutely right. Uh, 5,000 citizens in a city, it's definitively not enough to um, make a business alive, actually. Mm. Yeah, we're cer certainly limited on the traffic uh, and it's insulated. There's a one highway that leads to Fernie and uh, yeah, the and so this is how, um, this is how I can live from it by um, yeah. by sending. So I have a one distributor to uh, located in Calgary that can provide my kombucha across Alberta, and I do have a distributor located in Armstrong at this moment and distribute to my clients in BC. And I still do my milk run around uh, Fernie, Cranbrook, and the uh, close by cities. But do you have the distributors uh, into retail outlets then? Are there grocery stores and uh, carry the kombucha? Oh, good. Yes. Okay. So uh, the distributor I have, they're, um, they're, um, um, they, uh, they do hospitality type of accounts and as well some uh, grocery stores, independent mostly independent type of grocery stores. So I'm, I'm not listed in the big chain, and um, I might keep it this way for a few years. Yeah, yeah, I guess the margin, you know, if you go into a big chain, some of them even charge you for shelf space. I've heard I do a slotting fee or whatever it's called. Um, what I also was intrigued by on your Instagram and your website, as well as uh, and a number of comments I saw on the, on the Instagram is, as well as the farmers market, you have a you offer brewery tours with a tasting room, and in fact, um, a couple who travel through Canada doing videos of the attractions visited you, and and we see them tasting. Um, how busy? It, obviously, maybe at the height of the tourist season, um, how much interest is there in the in the brewery tours? Uh, there's interest, um, and for different reasons. Some people are already into that kombucha field, and they're curious about how I do and what my setup looks like. But other people genuinely just um, being curious, uh, they, they would like to start brewing at home, and, and so and they've been introduced to kombucha, and they never, probably never had a chance of a brewery uh, in their location where they could have a, um, a tour 
of the installation. So whenever I'm not into production mode, I do open some uh, availability hours and so they can book online. And um, I do have a few groups during the uh, holiday season in winter and mainly in summertime. Summertime, my uh, brewery has two garage doors right in front, and when I open them, it really attracts attention. And so people are asking them to, uh, if they can make a tour. And so, yeah, when, when it's not on the production mode, people enjoy. And they can come over, ask questions, and, uh, I, I, yeah, and I, I let them know what I know. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously something... You know, I, I live in Northern California, just south of the Napa Valley, and it's something the wine industry has done tremendous ever since, you know, it began, where people can tour the winery mm-hmm. and see the barrels and see the uh, great crushing and so on. And, of course, fermenting kombucha, I see you've got your stainless steel tank set up and a, a bottling line probably uh, with the labeling. Yes. So it must be quite interesting for uh, for customers, what's the um, what are some of the challenges you faced with, since you started your business? It sounds like you really started in 2017, so five years now. Uh, what are some of the challenges you've overcome? Um, when I was uh, on my b- business model with Tap Station Draft Kombucha, it was quite in, quite fine, but the the challenge was the um, uh, Tap Station maintenance. And, um, and so when uh, here, it's the great distance. So the, the challenge was to uh, do the maintenance with great distance in between the cities. Um, I can drive up to uh, three hours and a half just to fix a CO2 tank, you know, and then that's back and forth. It's a, it's a full day, just gone for a few, a few little mm-hmm. things to do. So that was one of the challenge, but still viable. Uh, summertime, when, when I do the farmer's market, the margin is directly to us, so it compensates for the rest of the year. But uh, when we start launching bottles, the main challenge was to reach out to distributor. Um, there's, uh, there's probably a lot of uh, numbers that the well-established distributor want to see and see if you're solid enough to supply without any uh, um, a shortage or any uh, margin issues. And so reaching to distributors is definitively a huge challenge. And uh, we have additional costs because our palette is not picked up directly to the studio by the distributor. I still have to assume um, a freight, a, a company that's going to pick it up and ship it to uh, their closest um uh, cold room or a refrigerated warehouse. Um, so within a year, I found two distributors, and uh, with that, I have about 80 accounts, a zero, and uh, I'm looking for about uh, between 400 and 500 accounts to reach my uh, full capacity, uh, production full capacity. And, and you plan to get those extra. 300 or so through distribution? You, you may be looking for more distributors, or you think the current ones you have, the two, will be able to grow you to that? Um, 
after a year, I'm not 100% convinced. So I do have to reach out to a different type of distributor, which have a different network uh, to reach that effectively. Yeah, yeah. And the challenge with a distributor is, like you say, they want to see the guarantee that you can keep the supply up. And presumably there's also, you know, the finance of the, whether there's, you know, profit in it for both you and the distributor and the retailer, yes, versus, but like you yes. say, the farmer's market, every dollar you take in at the farmer's market above the cost of the bottle, I mean, the, the, of the keg, and the brewing is, is much more profitable, but lower volume. Of. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, packaging eats up uh, close to 80% of the uh, production cost. So what makes your product unique? Oh, yes. So what what makes my product unique is not just my expertise uh, into brewing uh, for so many years, like over 25 years brewing stuff, Um, but I do use um, spring water from the Canadian Rockies and... um, I think some other company can draw water from the Canadian Rockies, but uh, not surely from a spring. Um, And so this water is so pure, and I always go back to this is the first drop the nature gives. You know, it's coming out of the ground um, without even being pumped. It's just just from the um, snow-capped mountain all year round. And I think this can be uh, uh, can play a nice role into the quality of my product and and the unicity. When you think uh, when you think about all the other companies who's pumping water from a river with medication in it, when we talk about big cities, there's medication, all sorts of compounds, the stuff that we don't even have a name yet for. It goes back in their kombucha, which is. Uh, where when you have a chance to drink an organic kombucha plus made out with spring water from the Canadian Rockies, you just feel the goodness and the pristine into it and the unicity of the product. Which gets back to the fact that you are a scientist with a degree in the composition of water, and uh, you obviously know what you're talking about there. That's great. Uh, what is, I, I should have looked... I should have looked online. I can go back and do this. If somebody orders um, online uh, your case of uh, six of any of these flavors, it looks like currently I see uh, six flavors from with names like Dreamer, Gentle Soul, Paradise. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, the price is there. It's twenty-seven ninety-six Canadian. So nearly, oh, just under thirty dollars for six bottles. And um, that, that presumably uh, matches what the retail price is then. Uh, what is it? Five five dollars in the in the uh, Canadian in the store. If somebody came across your bottle in an independent uh, retail outlet. Correct. Uh, and so when you reach six cases of six bottles, then the price dropped to um, eighteen ninety plus depot plus eco fee plus tax. And then um, mm-hmm. if someone wants to order it, if they pick it up at the brewery, that's perfect. This is uh, straight the price. But if they want to be shipped um, close to their home, then uh, after the wholesale price, they will have to assume the uh, shipping costs. 
And do you have to ship what insulated containers, or does it survive a couple of days in, in a regular that, cardboard box? Good question. So uh, I do have a uh, very resilient kombucha, so it's totally raw. Uh, however, the fermentation is so low. I mean, it's so good, so I have a, a low residual sugar. It resists to transportation without uh, being uh, without mandatory refrigeration. So it resists a uh, couple of days on the transit, and then it got put as soon as possible into a refrigeration, uh, either fridge right. or whatever. But uh, uh, this is a great advantage of the way I brew. So, um, and uh, so, yeah, absolutely. So it resists uh, very well transit. And my shelf life is 18 months from the day I brew. So again, I have a very stable and raw kombucha. You still can uh, grow your scoby out of a a bottle when it's kept open in the the heat. But um, uh, 18 months when kept refrigerated from the, the day I brew, it's giving me a lot of uh, flexibility and, and uh, it secures as well uh, the, uh, the distributor. They feel very comfortable with that. And do you get that low residual sugar? But what, what length is the fermentation time, like the primary fermentation in your brewery? Is it, is it quite a long It can vary. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So it can vary five to eight weeks. And um, the yeast is just kicking off right away, um, and it drops, and then the, and then the bacteria takes over. But um, my average will be uh, five weeks to eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and, wonderful. and this is always depending on how how you play with the temperature as well, eh? Of course, yeah. Temperature so, would be another major ingredient which I guess must, uh, the outside temperature must vary quite a bit. In, uh, in the winter, I presume it's quite cold in that part of the world, in the Rockies. Uh, totally, the and the summer. night's going cold as well. We have a good drop during, uh, between the day and night. Yeah. yeah. Like in the I off. just want to mention, actually, for listeners, because some listeners won't see this on Booch News, where they can read, and links will be on the Booch News to your website, but if you're listening on um, any of the podcast uh, avenues, then uh, you can go to ferniealpinespring.com, which is F-E-R-N-I-E, Alpine, A-L-P-I-N-E, Springs, S-P-R-I-N-G-S.com, all one word. Now, I just wanted to let people know uh, how they can find your website and, of course, your Instagram. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, but well, I need to precise your, uh, that uh, uh, regarding shipping uh, online, uh, I don't see it feasible to um, send it across the border. No, so no, of course not. not. No, I, I, yeah. I understand. Yeah, you wouldn't be shipping to it's the US. It's going to be within Canada. Yeah, Canada's. Um, you know, I have a, a directory on Butch News of worldwide kombucha companies. I don't guarantee they're all in business. But by my count, mm-hmm. you're one of, I think, 38 kombucha companies in BC. There's around 150 in Canada. I'm guessing 20% of those might, might have come and gone, but uh, there has been that much activity. And, of course, uh, you know, you're in a mm-hmm. unique position, not in the big city, Vancouver and uh, 
or, or on the East Coast, Toronto. Uh, and it's wonderful that a small, com- a small town like Fernie can support a, a thriving business. So thanks so much for talking to us today, Simon, and good luck with the future. Thank you so much, Jan. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.